This is Ultra Lord. Sheen, this is the seventh week in a row you've shown Ultra Lord in class. Miss Fowl, this one is different. What I was going for with that intro was, okay, okay, so my initial idea was to play that clip of Sheen saying, this is Ultra Lord, and I would edit in myself being like, this is my year-end list, and then editing Miss Fowl's voice to be like, this is the sixth day in a row you've shown a year-end list of class, and then me being like, this one is different. Um, but actually editing all that in was kind of difficult to do without it sounding like really choppy and fucked up so i went ahead and just played the clip and thought i'll explain what i meant afterwards um so by this point hopefully you the listener whoever you are you have heard at least some amount of what i did last week with the top 100 songs of the year that was a very tiring and demanding and taxing endeavor but at the same time very very rewarding i felt pretty good finishing it um, it was like the sense of fulfillment and accomplishment that I don't normally have with anything that I do. So, you know, that was kind of good for me in that sense. And I'm really hoping that this new series can lead to something similar. So this week is going to be all about my top 50 records of 2021. Uh, establishing now that when I say records, I mean albums, EPs, mixtapes, literally anything that's like of an extended format, it's all being factored into this list. And I I, I went this route instead of having like a, a list dedicated to just albums and then a list dedicated to just EPs because I really, really did not want there to be a scenario where I had to be like, okay, this was my album of the year, but I like my EP of the year more or vice versa. Because last year when Bring Me the Horizon dropped Posthumous Survival Horror, I had to kind of like explain to people this is my favorite EP of the year, and I like it more than every album this year, except for I Disagree More by Poppy. So, I really don't want something like that to happen this year. I want there to be like one solid concrete list that details everything I felt this year when it comes to extended formats. So, the only like major rule that I have to follow for this list is that the record had to be released in 2021, obviously, and deluxe editions are only acceptable if the original record was also released in 2021. So, for instance, um, Sucker Punch by Yumi at 6, the original record came out in January, and then the deluxe reissue was like either June or July of this year, I think. So, I could nominate the deluxe issue of Sucker Punch if I wanted to, whereas um, Heartwork by The Used, the deluxe edition came out this year, but the original record came out in April of 2020, so the Deluxe Edition would not be eligible for this year. Um, and that's kind of the only thing that I really have to uh, state right now as like a guideline to make things clear as I progress through the list. So um, this is going to work similarly to how the songs uh, listed, like in terms of day-by-day -day postings. So this part today is part one. It will cover so uh, records 50 to 41. Tomorrow on Tuesday, records 40 to 31. Wednesday records 30 to 21, 
Thursday, records 20 to 11, and then Friday, records 10 through 1. So, 10 record intervals each and every day for this week. And I guess I'm kind of done with all that. I can go ahead and get started now. And um, with number 50, it was actually very easy to figure out what was going to come in at 50 once I actually had all 50 records written down and solidified. It's like, okay, these are the 50 records I'm going to have on the list. Now I need to put it in an order. Um, the first thing I asked myself was, were there any of these records on this list, any of these 50 records where in the reviews I did all year long, did I ever say I didn't mind or didn't like any song on these records? And there was literally only one record from this year that had a song on it that is in this top 50 that I said I didn't mind. And so that made it kind of easy for me to decide what has to go at the 50 spot. Number 50 is In Cinemascope with Stereophonic Sound by the C4 Cinema. The song from this record that I said I didn't mind was Drip God. And if I'm being totally honest with all of you now, I would say that I just straight up don't like Drip God as of right now. Drip God, uh, honestly, kind of be a two-pack of ass. It just sounds to me like a weird attempt at a Waterparks type of sound, and I really, really don't fuck with it. It's not what I come to this band for, but thankfully, every other track here, I think, perfectly embodies what it is about the C4 cinema that I find to be so unique to the scene. And while Drip God might have derailed some of the record's momentum because it did get singles treatment, look at the other singles on here. Tap Tapley, Crash Nebula on Ice, um, If You Deserve It, You Deserve It, The Day That The Record Dropped, Glimmer Got A Music Video. These are all outstanding tracks that I think re really, really emphasize like that um, controlled chaos that I love so much about the C4 cinema. Um, Tap Tapley has one of the catchiest choruses on the entire track. It's just so easy to get lost in and sing along to. Um, if you deserve it, you deserve it. I mentioned before as being like very heavily inspired by medicine by Bring Me the Horizon. The structure is very, very identical. But what I appreciate is how the C4 Cinema were able to take that kind of an electronic pop rock sound and really, really make it their own and craft it in a way where, yes, it might sound like medicine to a great extent, but I, I don't see it as a medicine clone. I see it for what it is, which is if you deserve it, you deserve it. And then just when it comes to the deep cuts on this record, songs that are not singles as of right now a thousand ways to say you're okay every day is just this clinic on how to take on this kind of a like almost like math rock indie rock post-hardcore amalgamation of a sound and like i just think if you are a band coming up and this kind of a, of a sound interests you you need to be studying the c4 cinema you need to study like what they're doing how they're doing it and use that to craft your own identity and i think the c4 cinema is one of those bands that you know they're not like huge right now they're not greatly popular but there's no reason why they can't get there and because i trust drip god i don't want it to, I don't want this whole explanation to be built off of that. Yeah, Drip God sucks. I, I think it really, really sucks. But literally, everything else on this record fucks. And I think Cinemascope with Stereophonic Sound, despite, you know, one major flaw in it, it still deserves to be on anybody's top records list come, you know, the next few weeks in 2021.
Number 49 is And I Return to Nothingness by Lorna Shore. I fully expect this to be either at the top or near the top of many year-end EP lists that I see on the TL over the next few weeks, and I would say for good reason, because just in terms of like bands that really, really crafted a character this year and rose to prominence in ways that people were not expecting, Lorna Shore is at the very, very top of that conversation. What I will say right now is the reason why I have this at number 49 and nowhere higher is for a three-song EP, it's hard for me to uh, put that in positions higher than records and other EPs that are in a tally of like, you know, seven songs, eight songs, uh, some up to like 13, 14. Um, so three-song EP, I think this is a good spot for it. I also feel like this is going to be ultimately viewed for me as just a precursor to what Lorna Shore do in 2022 because they will have a record out next year and when you know I come back on this podcast in a year to do the top records list I have some very 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 high expectations and hopes for that new Lorna Shore album so again a three song EP with this one um if I'm being honest it literally did not matter how uh, of the Abyss and the title track sounded to the hellfires on this bitch. So it was going to be part of this fucking 50 no matter what, because to the hellfire is one of the best songs I've ever listened to in my life. I have this internal debate right now about whether it might be the greatest deathcore song I've ever been exposed to. The impact of To the Hellfire is going to be everlasting. It's going to be felt for a very, very long time to come. I kind of feel like towards the end of this decade, when we all look back on like what songs from the last 10 years truly, truly shaped the scene, To the Hellfire is going to be in that discussion. Um, so it, it, in that sense, I do believe that it kind of does overshadow both the Tower Trek and of the Abyss, but those two songs, if you dig into them, you are still going to find a lot of the characteristics that make up Loner Show right now. They're still heavy as fuck. They're still just unrelentingly brutal. They are everything that I can ask for this band to be putting out right now. And like I said earlier, this feels like the first stage towards the absolutely fucking monstrous and well-earned year that 2022 is going to be for Lorna Shore. Number 48 is A Beginner's Guide to Faking Your Death by Jiraiya. So I want to say that it was SceneFacts slash Hansel on Twitter who uh, was the reason why I even came across this EP back when it dropped in July. And um, he sold me on the idea of this being like something just very, very experimental and outside the boundaries of what we in the scene would normally be listening to. So I went ahead and checked out A Beginner's Guide when it dropped. And right from the opening, Enter A Beginner's Guide to Faking Your Death. It's a minute and a half long, and it is one of the best sub-two-minute tracks I have ever listened to in my life. The amount of just, like, 
craziness happening all throughout this track and the way that it feels very like um like casino-esque it kind of has like that sort of a jingle to it um it reminds me a lot of a persona 5 or i guess like specifically a certain palace in persona 5 if any of you know what i'm referring to it's just very like show tunes-esque and broadway-esque and for as just like cool and all over the place as the instrumentation is, it's also Jiraiya's own vocal delivery that really, really allows the entirety of this EP to get stuck in your head and to in turn be something that you don't want to remove from your brain. It's like this really, really strange marriage amongst acts like uh, Panic at the Disco, My Chemical Romance, Queen, and then this certain element to it that I can't really pinpoint as being identifiable with any artist but Jiraiya. And not to mention the absolute stranglehold that a song like Debt Collector has on me, and how it's so easy for me to just visualize this as being like the opener to some just random wild anime. And I, I think these kind of weird tones found in A Beginner's Guide to Faking Your Death really allow me to just like immerse myself into the material here, and I could not get enough of this ep back when it dropped i've listened to it very very often it's so easy to get through it's really short um i do suggest um you know i suggest everything on this list but i really really do suggest a beginner's guide to faking death by jiraiya if you've never heard of it and i'm kind of willing to bet the majority of you hearing this have never heard it before number 47 is survivor's guilt the mixtape by kenny hoopla Kenny Hoopla, I feel this year, really, really rose to the occasion and acted as one of the faces, or and on that note, one of the more underappreciated faces of the whole pop-punk revival going on right now. So, uh, this mixtape, Survivor's Guilt, Travis Barker is featured on every track, and I can totally understand at this point, like, kind of feeling fatigue when it comes to seeing uh, the name of a song and then featuring Travis Barker stamped on the end of it. But what I will say about Survivor's Guilt is it feels like Travis like belongs on this project. Not to say that he doesn't belong on any of the other things he's worked on over the last uh, year or so, like um uh the MGK record or the Jaden record. But with Kenny Hoopla, it just feels like Travis is not really lending his talent to something as much as he is uh, assimilating himself into the overall sound that Kenny was going for. I had already mentioned the song Hollywood Sucks in the Top 100 Songs of the Year series. Go check that out if you haven't already. And I said that Hollywood Sucks really embodied, I think, a more straightforward punk sound than an actual like pop-punk revival kind of sound. And I feel like that is a prominent theme all throughout the EP, or I mean the mixtape. L- like for me, as a listener... It's immediately noticed on the opening song, Silence is Also an Answer, and like the overall just like dreariness and mopiness to not only the way that the song sounds sonically, but just Kenny's vocal delivery and the way that he himself is projecting these lyrics. Um, and then on the other end of that, you can go to a song like Smoke Break, and what you hear here is one of the catchiest choruses of the entire year, and the way that it kind of just wraps itself around your brain and has like this hold on it that is provided, you know, in part by Travis Barker, but I think in a greater part by Kenny Hoopla. Kenny really showed the fuck up this year. I was so immensely happy with what he delivered with Survivor's Guilt, and I feel like the sky is the limit for this guy, genuinely. Number 46 is Horizons by Starset. 
In all honesty, I want to get out of the way right now that Horizons coming in at 46, I do personally view as kind of a disappointment. Um, so the two prior Star Set records, there was Divisions in 2019 and then Vessel in 2017. Had I been doing top 50 podcasts back then, uh, Divisions would have been like around maybe like the, the 25 to 20 range, I would guess. And then Vessel's legitimately i'm talking like top 10 of the year for vessels so horizons falling this low again kind of a disappointment but at the same time there's not a lot of room for me to complain about what the material was on horizons like when the record cycle for this truly began back uh at the end of april i think it was when they dropped infected as a lead single i immediately knew like okay star set like they're not fucking playing like they are back this year they're doing something really, really incredible. Um, Horizons overall as a sound, it's very much so in alignment with everything the band has done prior. It has like that space rock feel to it. Um, it, it's a, it's the kind of record that honestly demands your time and attention from. I think the, I'm going to check the, um, the, the length of the, of the record because it was one of the things that I, I don't want to say complain about when I reviewed it, but it was something that I just made sure to point out for anybody who was maybe interested in listening to it. So Horizons is one hour and 11 minutes. That is one of the longest runtimes on this list so far. I, or actually in general, I wouldn't be surprised if Horizons ends up being the longest list on, or the longest album on this list. I would have to actually go and check each, um, runtime individually. But Horizons being an hour and 11 minutes and 16 songs for that matter, it kind of is asking for a lot. And I think that is an easy way to steer potential listeners away from Horizons. But at the same time, if you're coming to Star Set, you understand what you're getting. And I feel like um, if this is what you're after, you were fed like a goddamn king this year. So with Infected, it's not only that song that I think really, really like uh, holds this record up, but then also just other tracks like Earthrise, um, alchemy, symbiotic. Symbiotic is one of those songs that, um, it took a minute for me to like really, really get lost in that song, but like once it's stuck, it wouldn't fucking leave. The chorus is just like so catchy and infectious. And I want to emphasize like star set, the ability to just write these insanely cool hooks is something that I think is not unique to star set, but the way that they pull it off is unique to them. There's just a lot going on with this record, both like metaphorically and also literally because of the runtime. Um, but if you have the 71 minutes to spare, which again, I know it might be asking for a lot, but if you just have 71 minutes of your time, I would still recommend Horizons. I think it truly is one of the best records of the year, even if I think it doesn't necessarily hold up to some of the prior material that I've gotten from Starset. But again, Horizons, very good. So many tracks off of there that are going to stick with me, and I continue to be a very, very proud supporter of Starset. Number 45 is Trauma Factory by Nothing Nowhere. So there are a couple of uh, records both on and off of this list that uh, in the coming weeks, when people on the TL are putting together their personal lists, 
I fully expect to see Trauma Factory show up time and time again, and for good reason for that matter. I don't want it being 45 to be like me declaring this record a disappointment the way that I did with Horizons. No, Trauma Factory is everything that I could have asked for out of Nothing Nowhere this year. I think he is one of the most charismatic and important artists to the scene as of right now. Um, and he has been for a minute. I just feel like, uh, slowly but surely, like month by month, track by track, more people are kind of starting to realize that and come on board. And that's great to see. I think Nothing Nowhere is a talent that really, really deserves everybody's admiration and attention. Um, looking at the track listing, I want to single out a very specific three song stretch on this record. Uh, Fake Friend, Death, and pretend. In the case of Fake Friend and Pretend, I think that those are two of the best songs on this record and really, really give you an idea of the pop sensibility on the part of Nothing Nowhere and how just flawlessly he's able to uh, integrate that sound into what's happening on Trauma Factory. And then, uh, you know, in between that is Death, which is my favorite song on this record. Death is just like so chaotic, energetic, heavy. It feels like, um, uh, what's the best way to put this? Like, um, Okay, this isn't really what I was trying to say, but like horror based, I guess, um, death just has like this eeriness to it that you can't just like fabricate or replicate. It's so just identifiable with nothing nowhere. And I really, really, truly love death. It again is my favorite song on the record that build up to, or, or the build up to like the, um, the explosive chorus, I guess, uh, where nothing nowhere is just repeatedly saying, I scare myself to death. I scare myself to death before finally just screaming it out. It's one of the most fulfilling and rewarding moments I got all year on a record. Um, the penultimate track, Real, is another highlight of the record, in my opinion. Uh, specifically, this verse in the song where Nothing Nowhere is detailing a fan encounter that he had and the impact it had on him. And just hearing like this honesty out of Nothing Nowhere, it makes me just like so appreciative of what he's doing for the scene right now. And I think that his star only has the ability to grow from here on out. And... I just want the best for Nothing Nowhere, and um, again, Trauma Factory, I expect it to be higher on other people's lists. If you name this like your favorite record of the year, no judgment for me because I get it. Number 44 is the self-titled album by Galleons. So this is not like an official award for this platform, but I do want to say that the Galleon self-titled album has my favorite artwork of the year for any project. Um, so it's this like really, really cool drawing or, or like a painting, and it has this creature after committing arson, and you just see like the house on fire and the creature holding a torch, and just like the the sky that like uh, mimics the fire that's uh, surrounding the house. It's just really really cool. I really really like it. Um, and thankfully, I think the quality of this record mirrors the quality of the artwork. I think Galleons have never sounded better. Um, there were a couple singles that supported this record, but none that I preferred over. Better the Devil You Know, which features Phil Bayer, who used to be the vocalist of Time the Valuator. Was that the band? I'm pretty sure that was the band. Uh, apologize if I got that incorrect. Um, but that track, just like I think, really, really perfectly set the pace for the self-titled record. And then even when you go into the deeper cuts on the album, uh, you know, you're fucking treated, dude. Because like... um. Uh, that ain't no crown. Uh, Casablanca have some of the just like catchiest and most uh like 
exuberant and colorful moments that galleons have ever ever put out um that didn't know crown the the chorus on that and the hook really really stuck with me all year that didn't know crown my love is just a lie that's painted gold like man that that sticks with you it, it truly truly does um i also have like this um personal connection to the record because it was the last album that i reviewed prior to mikis's passing so you know like this the, the moment that i reviewed self-titled by galleons it was kind of like the last moment where my life was relatively normal or at least um normal to whatever those standards were at that time uh so i will always hold galleon self-titled in a special place in my heart not only because of like that connection to it but also just the quality of the record the artwork everything about the packaging of galleons this year was just fucking ab above and beyond all standards number 43 is kin by whitechapel This is the follow-up to 2019's The Valley, which I believe was kind of like this turning point for Whitechapel. Not that I didn't enjoy them prior, because I did, but just the the level of melody and emotion found on The Valley was something that I wasn't expecting to hear out of Whitechapel that year, and that in turn made Valley one of the standout records of that year. If I had like a top 50 list for 2019, you know, The Valley would have been like in that like 20 to 10 range, or maybe even in the top 10. So, I guess similarly to what I said earlier about Starset and the album Horizons coming in at 45, uh, Kin by Whitechapel coming in, wait, no, it was 46 or 45. I'm, I'm already losing train of thought. Um, Whitechapel's Kin coming in at 43, I guess you can also say means that I was just a little bit let down by the record, at least in comparison to The Valley, but like, let me specify that. In comparison to The Valley, in comparison to the rest of like what was put out this year from any band or any artist, Kin was one of the most fulfilling and rewarding album experiences I got to enjoy in 2021. And something that I really, really admired was like how apparent it was that the impact that I felt on the Valley was also felt by the band because Kin really uh, brings over a lot of those core elements that made me fall in love with the Valley. So like on the um, the lead single Lost Boy, like half the song, it has like that, um, that deathcore nature of Whitechapel and again like they've always been excellent when it comes to delivering on that kind of stuff but then the last half of the song or not really last half but like there's a portion of it uh after the halfway mark where it slows down it sounds beautiful uh Phil Bozeman's vocals just like really really shine uh there was another single called Orphan that I thought really really delivered like um on that respective end too and, th and then just the way that like again like everything that I loved about the valley carrying over to Kin you know, listen to a song like History is Silent and you just have like this, or at least me personally, like this, um, like warmth around me. It's like a blanket in a way. And I just feel like so safe and protected by Whitechapel through these kinds of songs, uh, or the closing song, uh, also for that matter, uh, the, t the title track, one of the most just out of character things Whitechapel have ever done, but at the same time, one of the coolest. I think Kin really, really does an excellent job at carrying over those themes from the valley that i want to be carried over and i you know my full attention is on whitechapel and it has been for a minute now but just like reiterating this now establishing this now whitechapel is one of the best bands in the world number 42 is jokes on you by gucci highwaters i'm 
I, I mentioned Gucci Highwaters in the Top 100 Songs series, and I kind of got to go a little bit in detail about my thoughts on him in that installment. But now that I have like more of an opening and a space to really, really gas this guy up, if you're not listening to Gucci Highwaters, like you need to get on that fucking train, dude. Like, not joking. Uh, I, I didn't mean for there to be a pun of me saying not joking, and then the record's called Jokes on You. I, I, I swear I'm not like a, a weirdo making dad jokes. Um, I'm almost 27 though, so maybe I should just like take that up. Interesting thought. Uh, Jokes on You is one of the highlights of the entire year, in my opinion. Um, I might be showing my hand too much when it comes to what is on the remainder of this list, but Jokes on You was my favorite hip hop album of 2021. And right from the second you press play on the opening track, Tragedy, I, I think you're really, really put into the right headspace for this record. That song. It gives you the right idea of where Gucci Highwires was heading on Jokes on You, and it, it's just like so comforting to have a record like this, and especially at the time it came out back in January, so this is one of the oldest records on this list. Um, I also think the fact that it came out in January, and I'm talking about it now in December, really, really speaks to the staying power of Jokes on You. Um, Rock Bottom, I mentioned already in that Top 100 Songs of the Year series, uh, it features Nothing Nowhere, who I detailed his record, Trauma Factory, a few minutes ago at this point. Um, Rock Bottom is, I think, the absolute best thing that both Gucci Highwaters and Nothing Nowhere were part of this year. That song is one of the best I've ever listened to in my life. It's something that I go back to very, very often. It's still going to be something that like um, stays in my rotation for the remainder of my time on this planet. Um, but then even like not to... Like, let's just like steer away from gassing up rock bottom too much. Um, so many of the songs on Jokes on You just like strike that emotional chord within me that makes me like even more appreciative of what Gucci Hawars did with this. So with tracks like Sometimes and Lovesick, you just feel the, the energy there. You feel the connection, or at least that is like what was happening in me in that first instance of hearing Jokes on You and then every instance that followed. Uh, I think a song like Catch-22, it kind of like shows off um, a certain style of Gucci Hawars that like is a little bit more vibrant than what he was doing on some of these like sadder songs, but it, it's not so upbeat and vibrant in the way that like hip-hop normally is. This is very much so an emo hip-hop record all the way through, and I just feel this intense connection to Jokes on You that I don't want to take for granted. I'm very, very thankful to have this record in my life, and I... Cannot recommend Jokes on You by Gucci Hawaters enough to any of you. Number 41 is Everything in My Mind by Nevertell. I mentioned on this episode that the Galleon self-titled album was the last record I heard when Mikisa was alive. Everything in my mind was the first record I heard following her death. And it, it kind of like speaks to me in that instance. Uh, it was a record that I was already looking forward to before it happened. And then after everything happened, I was able to kind of like take certain elements of everything in my mind and just see them in a different way. So like take the artwork, for example. 
uh the artwork has like this um it's like a mannequin and like its head is exploding and you can see like the uh the interior of the mannequin's head and it's just like a bunch of wires and it just feels so like um like uh on the nose i guess about what i was feeling in that moment and then what i was going to be feeling for the coming weeks and months after the intense trauma that i was feeling um so everything in my mind it has one of the best opening songs of the year in my opinion holding on just really really takes its time to build itself up and then once the uh the full band comes in it's just done in like this really really explosive and like kind of combative manner that i think just really really highlights uh what you're going to get on everything in my mind um some of the songs on here like back on me um uh new friend they just like you know they they speak to me they they do a lot of really cool interesting things that blend like alternative rock with a sense of like electronic um capabilities that i think elevate uh never tell to a status that um where they're at right now to me uh it's not reflected with their their audience their fan base um or rather the audience and fan base is not large to the point where i can say that never tell uh their quality is represented in their success there's still like this disconnect between the two as of right now but i'm hoping that changes sooner than later because more people really really do need to know about never tell and then know my loneliness is one of the most important songs of the year for me personally it's the kind of song that um even without like the built-up attachment to it there was already a built-in attachment with just the way that it sounds the way that those slow verses and then the kind of like pop a uh, sensible chorus just really really pulls me in and makes me gravitate all my attention towards everything that never tell is doing uh this is one of the shortest albums of the year at least of like what i reviewed so it's an album but it's only nine songs long 28 minutes long um so there's like a big difference between me asking all of you to go hear like horizons by starset which i said was 71 minutes and then now everything in my mind by never tell is 28 minutes i i implore and ask all of you to please give everything in my mind by never tell a chance i think it is one of the best records of the year it's one of the coolest experiences i got and it was kind of like in in a way like my personal swan song to a time in my life that i can never get back and that's it those were my 50 to 41 favorite records of 2021 um i think this went okay uh, I'm actually surprised that like after everything that I detailed in the top 100 songs list and then like how long that took and the fact that the finale was like two hours long, I feel fine. I feel like I can keep doing this. I feel like my voice is going to hold up. Um, it, it also helps that like with records, you run out of things to say, uh, not as quickly as you would on singles and songs. So, you know, uh, this is gonna be cool. I, I, I feel pretty good about this series and I hope you do too whoever you are hearing this. So thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this part. And as always, for better or worse, let's make a scene.